We are very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Well, Stephen, warmer weather is here, which means we are all bearing skin either out of um, excitement or necessity, depending upon where you live and how warm it is. But regardless of what time of year it is, the perfect tan goes with everything and is a necessity. Oh, yeah, 100%. So um, I'm assuming you have a product in mind that will help you get this perfect tan. Yes. So my favorite product is Bold Sunless Self-Tanner, and it's actually the official self-tanner of the Miss Universe organization. So you know it is like totally reliable. So self-tanners can be a bit... Um, scary, scary, I guess. Scary. Yeah. Scary because you hear about the, I mean, it looks like you stomped in mud, you know, I mean, cause it's just streaking all over the place. Tell me about your experience with bold sunless and why you feel like it's different. Yeah. So self tanning has come a long way and especially with bold sunless, they've formulated this product that it, it doesn't go on streaky and it, it's just like a nice golden, like Mediterranean type color. So it's got like a purple base. So instead of it being orangey or yellow based, you know you're going to get like that deep bronze look versus an orangey. That's cool. I mean, I, I never thought that like a deep purple would help give you a better tan than like a bronzy or a brown, right? Well, it's not necessarily the the purple gives you a better tan. It's just a different tan. Like if you think about people's complexions, right? You have warm tone complexions and cool tone complexions. Cool tones are more blue-based, warm tones more yellow-based. So this solution... Um, if you go too far on the yellow side can be troublesome for some skin tone. So this way it's more neutral and it works for more complexions. Okay. Now I've seen these come in spray. I've seen them come in like this glove that you kind of wipe on. What is this? Is this a spray or is this a wipe on? And yeah, and give us kind of the best strategies of applying to. So this is a spray. The instructions on the bottle say that um, you need to hold it about like six to eight inches away from your body and spray and then rub it in. I actually, I'm going to give you a little hack. I prefer to spray it on my palms and then rub it where it needs to be. Because, and the reason for that is I control the application more. I keep my, my fingertips together. That way nothing's sitting between my fingertips. I'm not streaking with like my open hand. It's all fingers together in my palms, rub it together. And then I distribute more evenly. And I can see it go on. So I'm able to um, keep it more clean, keep it more seamless. Well, since you're on the form of hacks, then we'll go on like how to get this and all that. Do you have a hack for making your spray tan prolong longer or last longer? Oh, I guess? I, yes. Hydration is totally the key here. You definitely, after you've applied it, you let it set, which is usually about six to eight hours that I like to do without showering or working out. So it settles. I am like crazy about applying moisturizer after because when your skin is dry, it sheds your skin cells faster. So keeping it moisturized will prevent that like shedding from happening. And then Exfoliating, what, I guess is the official word. Right. And then when you get out of the shower, I'm assuming it's kind of the same thing. You pat yourself dry rather than rub yourself dry. Exactly. And when you're showering, you don't want to use a loofah and scrub. You want to put your body wash directly on your hands and, and create suds that way to prevent the friction. Yeah. I just got back from actually is about two weeks at the beach and and with the loofah, I mean, it, it's scraping it right off. So not, it's not good. <laughs> no totally, point totally, totally agree. Where can they get it? How much does it cost? Give us the deets. Yes, yeah, so you can get it at shop.thepageantplanet.com, and it is $29, and it is totally worth it. Uh, free shipping, free returns, all of that good stuff, but I promise you, like, once you have this in your hands, like, it is going to be your go-to all summer and all winter long. I like it. Thanks, Jesse. 
Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we're going to discuss how to handle confrontation in the pageant industry. So, Jesse, set the stage for us. Okay, Stephen. So, in pageantry, you have strong personalities. And you have intense personal investment. And I think those two things combined um, is a recipe for confrontation because everyone, again, strong personality, people feel passionate about what they're doing, whether they're a contestant or a vendor or a retailer, and you put your heart and soul into it. And everyone has a different vision of their own success, their own goals. So it just can create some oil and water combinations that can result in some increased tensions and maybe some confrontation. Yeah. And it's an opinionated sport, right? And everybody has their own opinions of what dresses looks good or what girl looks best or how girl answered best. I mean, there's no definitive rule book on any of these items, right? There's no one perfect answer. There's no one perfect dress because the variable is the contestant every time. So yeah, that is definitely a recipe for friction. And you've been in the pageant industry like about 10 years, Stephen. So would you say that you've seen like a fair amount of confrontation or do you think like, or do you think it's heightened in pageant industry over other industries? Well, I do. And I mean, so pageantry has a lot of pocket subsects, if you will, because you have contestant and director relations you have dress manufacturers and retailer frictions. You have retailer to retailer frictions. You have pageant director to pageant director frictions. You have pageant coaches that don't like certain directors. You have pageant coaches that don't like certain <laughs> makeup stylists. And you have photographers that can't get along with um, hair makeup stylists, certain retailers, certain dress designers. And then you have contestants that have their beef with certain people. So it is a lot of volatile personalities. Or mm-hmm. I don't want to say uh, necessarily that... The individuals are volatile, but it's like what you said. You have strong personalities. People's livelihood is dependent on you know certain girls winning or their contestants succeeding. So you've got that element. You've got parents living vicariously through their daughters and then getting mad at pageant coaches. So all these recipes, there is certainly a fair share of controversy and right, wrong, or indifferent. Sometimes our brand is you know the brunt of that, and other times I've been in... I mean, I've been in the middle of lawsuits where I'm basically trying to negotiate between two parties like, okay, don't Mm -hmm. take this to court. So I've been in that area. I've been in controversies where directors are fired from national directors or contestants are let go because of um, getting out of contracts. So there's all sorts of opportunities for this confrontation slash friction. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally agree. Yeah. So you have some strategies, um, eight specific steps to pretty much how to deal with this. Because if you compete for any length of time, you're going to experience it, especially the more that you have success, right? I mean, you're going to be in it. I mean, the more successful you are in this industry, the more you're either going to be surrounded by it. People are going to attack you, do certain things. It's just the nature of the beast, almost in any any industry. There's a saying of success. The more you climb the ladder of success, the more your butt is exposed, Right. Mm -hmm. So, and this is no different. So give us the the first step of somewhat handling um, confrontation that is going to inevitably happen within the industry. Yeah. And I'll start by saying I am so such a lover and not a fighter. I let a lot of things go 
but I do know some people that have shorter fuses. So I wrote these instructions with being diplomatic and being professional in mind. And, and with that, like the first thing we need to do is take a breath. And I mean, this is a trick that we've all learned from as early as kindergarten. And when you're heated in the moment, when that retailer tells you that your dress is not going to be here on time and your gut is to flip out, count to 10 and let your emotions settle before you act on any of them. And this is especially important during digital age where you can like in an instant, send a text, make a post, et cetera. And, and we'll get into all of the details of why these things are important, but because the industry is so interconnected, taking that breath and really allowing yourself to keep your emotions in check is so vital. Yeah, I think we can all look back on certain instances when we've overreacted. And we look yep. back and say, like, wow, really wish I could have taken that email back or that text message or that, mm -hmm. you know, comment, whatever. And so taking that breath allows that that separation uh, between yep. yourself, your emotions and like what the other person said. And like I said, in digital age, people can take a screenshot in a minute, even if you spout off and immediately realize it was the wrong thing and delete it. Odds are someone got a screenshot of it. And all the more reason for you to really collect your thoughts, weigh all the options, and we'll go through the different steps, but just give yourself some time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so take a breath. And I mean, I, I have a, a story with this, and I mean, we're friends now, but um, uh, Teresa Scanlon and I, we first got off our friendship to a rocky start. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because like we wrote an article, it was controversial, she didn't like it. And so she sent me a Facebook message. And I responded, like she sent me this long Facebook message and we laugh about it now of saying basically why I should take down the article. And I was just over it because this is probably like the hundredth message email that I got. And then I was just like, thanks so much. I'll take it into consideration, which she basically took that as like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, it would have been better if you just wouldn't have responded at all. And because it was just such a canned whatever. And then sure. next, next thing I know, um, her and a few other Miss Americas was just like, let's boycott pageant planet. And it was just because of that one, how I handled there. And it wasn't anything to do with her. I mean, I totally felt it. I mean, it, the article was kind of um, opposed to her platform, not intentionally, but the title of it was, and she was upset, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> however, my response caused a lot more drama within the brand that needed to be if I just would have taken a breath and just been like, okay, yeah, I, I see your point of view. And, and then I could have had another response, right? So and you opened a totally different avenue there, Stephen, too, is even when, like, even if you didn't mean it, like, whatever, when you sent it, people interpret things in totally different ways. So something else to consider when talking about confrontation. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get more into that a, a little bit later about mm -hmm. how people see life as they are, not as things are. But mm -hmm. okay, so that's step number one. Take a breath, which is seriously sometimes hard to do. The more like passionate you are, obviously I'm passionate about the brand and built it from scratch for roughly nine years ago. And... So if someone attacks it, there's a little bit more emotional attachment to if someone doesn't like the way I walk, you know, unless mm -hmm. like, okay, uh, there's zero attachment there. So it, it does, the more it's close to home, the more of this, like, I've got to take a breath, take a step away, 
and then like and then respond. So step number one is take a take a breath. What's step number two? Well, that was a perfect segue. Step number two is evaluate the severity of the situation. So how much and how big of a deal is what's bothering you? Like how much is it bothering you and how big of a deal is it? So like some examples is someone like copying your platform efforts. So if you went to visit a children's hospital and sang Disney songs, did they the next week book an book an appointment to do the same? Or are they poaching your contacts where they're just kind of following all the vendors you follow? Or like, did did a vendor totally mislead you and make a huge investment? I mean, and you look at those things and for today's sake, like let's talk about things as though they're like red, yellow, green, um, like green being minor annoyances that you probably can live with and red being like huge issues. So like if someone, if a retailer tells you up, down, side to side that they will deliver X product and then your pageant comes and it's not here, it's not as promised, and you've probably invested a significant amount of money, that's a big problem. But if someone like another contestant's kind of trying to cop your style, I mean, realistically, it's it's not ideal, but it's probably something you can live with in the grand scheme. Yeah. And when I'm, I mean, all these things have happened to me. And you know, the longer you live in life, that's why like when you talk to people that are um, elderly, and they've had success, like nothing really gets under their skin, right? Because they're just like, <laughs> been there, done that. Um, so when, whenever I'm evaluating the severity of the situation, it's like, will my response change the outcome? And that helps me a lot. Like, okay, yes. I, I mean, I hired somebody the other day. It cost me $750 to hire them. They implemented something and then I had to go and recorrect all of their work. Right. So it was like, why mm-hmm. did I even hire them in the first place? I did right. learn something off of them, but it definitely wasn't worth the it wasn't a worth the investment. But I'm like, mm-hmm. if I created a stink about this guy and really like went after his quality level of work, what's the benefit going to be to Steven? Is he going to give me my money back? No. So it's not even worth it. It's just like, right. OK, lesson learned. Never hire that company again. And moving forward, like, what did I learn? I'll give a more anecdotal version of that. I watch a show called Southern Charm, which is based in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm sure there are some listeners that are on the same page with me. But there's this um, this girl and this guy, and they're kind of like on and off romantically involved. And this girl told this guy a story about his BFF trying to hit on her, or maybe he was talking he was talking smack about him. And she told him for the simple fact of she wanted to see him get riled up because she thinks he's too easygoing. And he was like, I'm not going to, she's like, are you going to, are you going to call him out on it? And he's like, no, like it's not the time. Like I'll talk to him about it at some point. And I was like, yeah, you're totally right guy. Like do not in the middle of this dinner party, bring this up. And I was super annoyed with her for wanting to rock the boat. But like, think about that in the long term. Does it serve you to make a scene? Does it serve you to let the little things get under your skin? And I'm just so not that person. So we all have different triggers and different annoyances. But the more you can be go with the flow, especially in the pageant industry, the better. That's great. Okay. So that's step number two. Step number one is take a breath. Step number two is evaluate the severity of the situation. What's step number three? Step number three is think about all parties involved. And this is extremely important given that this industry is essentially a web. Um, Who could this confrontation impact? I mean, could it trickle back to your director and now they have information about you or they are making, um, 
and I want to say a judgment, but they are kind of formulating an opinion about you. Um, could it be your organizational context? Maybe you're working with this nonprofit organization that you've worked countlessly to create a solid reputation, but then they hear this through the grapevine and are like, wow, I never would have expected that from them. You just never know where things are going to trickle. And like, life is not Vegas. Like what happens here doesn't stay here and everyone will talk about it. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There, there's been experiences in all of our lives, right? Where we've heard something about someone and then we meet that person and they are pretty much guilty until proven innocent. Because you're going mm -hmm. up with their wall. And if they show you something different, you're like, whoa, never anticipated that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, so I've had that experience where actually it was it was like a year and a half or two years ago um, where somebody, it was the reverse. Um, so actually a, a girl that used to work for our organization, um, I guess she had some really negative things to say about me. And so this person, when he met me after we were, gosh, hanging out for like a weekend because he was judging the same pageant I was at or whatever, he's like, gosh, I got to like tell you, you're totally different than what I anticipated. I'm like, okay, I'm curious. Like, what did you anticipate? And so he told me that it wasn't basically so positive um, based on this other person's experience. And so I was mm. like, huh, that's interesting. So um, he had that um, experience. And then I talked with the, the person that he said, gave him that experience. And that person was like, no, I never said anything. Right. Um, so which whatever, he got the information from somewhere, but my reputation preceded me in a not so good way. And it's mm -hmm. really rare when it's, it, it's, I guess it's more common where somebody's reputation precedes them in a negative way than it is a positive totally. way. Yep. Um, and it's harder to overcome that obstacle, but you know, you're not at the end of the day, you're not able to control what others think about you you are able to control your reaction um, mm. in that moment. And Warren Buffett said it. He said, it takes a lifetime to build your integrity or your reputation, and you can lose it in moments. And mm -hmm. it's just like anything, if you're walking up a mountain, it takes way longer to walk up the mountain than to come down. Same yep. way with success, it takes a lot longer to build success than it does to you know, generate failure through poor decisions. Mm -hmm. So I would I would have the same parallel when it comes to being judged in a pageant. I always say to my contestants, when you walk in the room and you look your best and that talks about we talk about tailoring and styling and all of that and you look your best, then your reputation in their eyes, you're sitting down and you're starting on a positive note. If you walk in and your appearance looks a little disheveled, maybe you haven't paid attention to detail, you need to work that much harder to build your score up. So it's like, why not start at that higher level with that great reputation by handling situations with grace than being so quick on the temper? Yeah. And even though they should not, directors do talk about it, especially if somebody surprises you in a good way or whatever. She'll be like, oh, my gosh. And she tells the judges he or she. Right. Even though they, they should not necessarily. I've definitely heard it my fair share of times. Have you? Mm -hmm. I've never experienced that, um, but I have experienced like when the national or like a staff of some kind, a pageant staff will talk like amongst themselves. So I haven't heard it permeated to judges, but I have heard it discussed within staffs. Well, in a lot of the smaller um, systems, like the judges are eating with staff and with directors. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot yeah. easier for it to come up, sure. uh, like whether if you're having your luncheon or your dinner or your breakfast or whatever. Uh, so it's easier for it to come up. But mm -hmm. yeah, so at the end of the day, 
if your staff has a certain impression of you, good, bad, or indifferent, different, wow, good, bad, or indifferent, <laughs> there we go, um, it, it can have a ripple effect on how they treat you and your overall experience, and then therefore how well you do at the actual pageant. Agree. Cool. Okay, so that's uh, thinking about all parties invo- involved, step number three. What's step number four? So this is very much in line with things we've already talked about, and that's picking your battles. So I love to resolve situations like by principle, like that is totally my mentality. Like, no, this is the rule. Like this should be the rule. This should be followed. Like I am so by principle. Um, And it can be tough to swallow sometimes when like you just feel like principle wasn't followed. But like in the grand scheme, like are you making a mountain out of a molehill? Could this have a greater result on relationships and like directly that aren't directly tied to this particular like mental test. So it's one of those things where you have to, like we said, the first three steps, taking the breath, evaluate the severity and thinking about all parties. Is this a battle you're, you're ready to put yourself on the line for, or is this something you can sit back and say, maybe not this time. If something happens again, I can revisit this. Yeah. It's kind of like the old saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion. Still mm-hmm. no one likes to be made wrong. So you know, if well, let's say that a contestant says, oh, it should be this way. OK, like, well, what does that have any bearing of your life? If she thinks the pageant should be ran a certain way, there's no need for you to necessarily come to the defense of the director, nor is she asking for that. She just wants to be heard. Right. And similar way of if if a director is just venting or a parent's venting or a coach is venting. OK, there's no need to necessarily take sides. Um you know, just it's it's really picking your battles and realizing that people, when people complain, it tells you more about what's going on with them than it does the actual situation or the person whom they're complaining about, because you can only see it's the it's the mirror principle, it's the mirror philosophy. Like you can only see in others what resides in you. So if you see someone that is like constantly giving compliments or like making people feel encouraged or uplifted, that's what's going on inside of them. They have that. They have that love for themselves. So it's natural for them to love and uplift other people. If you have someone that's like constantly looking for flaws or criticizing other people, that's their internal script of what they're doing in their own life. Like they're criticizing the crap out of themselves. So by Mm -hmm. them criticizing other people, or even you, like if they say, oh my gosh, you're always late. Well, more than likely, they are always missing deadlines or not holding their commitments of like when they would do certain things. So yeah, naturally, they're going to see it in you. And maybe that's just like second time this year when you're late for something. Big deal, right? But like for you, rather than defending yourself and just jumping in like, I'm never late. <laughs> How dare you say that? You know, just being like, okay, like I'll take a look at that. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Well, and two, there are some people that are chronic complainers, right? So if you're constantly complaining about your experiences with people or places or whatever, your weight holds a lot, you hold a lot less weight in your arguments if people are just expecting it. So for example, like if every week or if every week I disagree with Kevin's dinner choice, Kevin's my fiance for those listening, if every week I disagree with his dinner choice, Like when I act, if I'm complaining and whining, when actually something really does bother me, he's going to be immune to it because I'm constantly complaining and bothered. So it's one of those things where I kind of put the the lesser things behind us. And then when I do have an issue, he can take it more seriously. Love that. Okay. What's step number five? 
Okay, this is the most important part and probably the most thought provoking. It's choose your next steps. And by this, I mean, like, what are your possible reactions? Do you want to write a handwritten note? Are you going to leave a scathing review on line somewhere? Do you want to go and talk it through in person? Or are you just going to like let it pass? And I will say like whatever you choose, your best bet is like don't talk about it with a million people. Like don't talk to 20 different people in your, this is a very large circle, but let's say a circle because like as much as you want to trust everyone, some people have loose lips and like it may get to people you don't want it to get to. I would say, so keep your circle tight. You don't want to expose this situation to several people unless you're ready for that to be part of this confrontation because that then it amplifies it times a million because one, more people have their eyes on it. And two, then if that person that you're talking about finds out that you've discussed it with 20 people, who the heck else are you talking about it with? And then it just gets even tenser. Yeah, my gosh. I mean, and when you first start to implement this practice, it feels like someone is kicking you in the teeth. I mean, Mm -hmm. like if you're used to just talking and complaining about situations and pretty much just like opening it up to the people that's in your life, if you deliberately choose, okay, I am only going to talk about this situation to somebody who can help this situation, right? That's a more mm-hmm. of effective use of your time and energy versus like if I have a problem with my mom, if I talk to it about it with my sister, well, my mom doesn't know that I have that problem with her. I just got to talk to my mom <laughs> and just be like, hey, yeah. when you did X, it made me feel Y. So, you know, can we work on that? Can we talk about it? And then my mom's like, oh, Okay. I didn't mean anything by it. Oh, cool. But imagine how much more complicated it gets when you talk to your sister and then your sister talks to your mom and now it's even bigger, right? That's the way it always happens. Oh my gosh. And it starts to blow up. And of Mm -hmm. course we're using arbitrary family members here. Um, but sure, like, Stephen, you have a million sisters. I do. I mean, for those of you that don't know, I have five sisters, no brothers, and uh, and a mom that's a very dominant personality too. So that's why, I mean, I was tailored for a female-dominated industry and a staff that's all female, right? Um, but with, with this, when you start to make um, only involving the people who like either are directly tied to the situation that maybe you can, because there's some things that happen with our staff that I have to talk to the other staff members about it to get kind of a, some context around like what's truly going on. Um, so that is not energy wasted if you're trying to get more information, right? And then only going to the people that can change the outcome. That really will reduce the amount of stress in your life exponentially. And it builds up a strong trust factor. So like, Jesse and I have the kind of relationship that if Jesse, if you do something that rubs me the wrong way, I come to you mm-hmm. and then vice versa. And like, we both have that open-ended relationship where it's like, Oh, okay. I know she's not necessarily, I mean, of course, Kevin, cause I mean, he's your other half. Right. So he like, he's going to hear everything, but it's like mm-hmm. outside of that, like I don't have any concern that you're going to other staff members or whatever. If you and I have a a tiff or like a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. and vice versa, because there's that. So the people in your life, they start to know you as that person of integrity that says, wow, I know if Sarah says X, Y, Z to me, she's not saying that to me plus all of my other friends and all our other mutual acquaintances. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with all of that. And with that too, like, 
one of my favorite complaints from people that I hear all the time, and I'm, I'm sure everyone listening has heard this at least once. If you don't do this, I'm going to the Better Business Bureau. Yeah. And like, not that it's empty weight, because certainly like your reputation in business is, is everything, but it's just one of those things. Like you just have to keep in mind, like where, where, what you're saying can project to. Right. Or gosh, if I had a dollar for every time somebody threatened me with an attorney, I'm like, really? It's like, it's not even that serious. And it's kind of the equivalent of like, it's the adult equivalent to the schoolyard kids. You can't come like, to my birthday party. What, yeah. <laughs> or the adult, yeah. Or like, I'm telling my mom, right? It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's, I'm telling my attorney, okay, like have him call me. Here's my number, right? Um, yeah. It's just zero effect because everyone says it. And really, you got to realize in all this, it's not even so much about how you look to other people because at the end of the day, who cares about that? It's how you look to yourself. You mm-hmm. know it's an empty threat. And so you know you're not really going to go to your attorney or to your mom or whoever, right? So don't even say that because you're lying to yourself. And if you start lying to yourself, you no longer have integrity with your word. So if you say something like, I'm going to accomplish this particular goal, right, that your words don't necessarily have the same weight because you're over here saying, I'm calling my attorney, I'm telling my mom, I'm going to report you to this Better Business Bureau when you're, you know, when that's never going to happen. So if you're false, like doing, like bluffing over here with like idle threats, when you actually want to accomplish something significant in your life, like I'm going to win Miss USA, I'm going to win National American Miss, your mind doesn't believe it because your life is so filled with these other false threats. So mm-hmm. let your word be your actions and be deliberate about the things that you're saying and who you're saying it to. Mm, love that. Cool. All right. So that's that's kind of like choose next steps. Um, so to recap for the top five, step one, take a breath. Two, evaluate the severity of the situation. Step three, think about all parties involved. Step four, pick your battles. Step five, choose next steps. What is step six? Step six is to run it by someone. Um, so we just talked a lot about the action behind it. So when you are, you t- determined your action, run it by someone. And when you're doing that, be diplomatic and fair while still defending your side. And this is a direct correlation to how we work with clients when we talk about how to answer current event or hot topic issues. It's about stating your side while still recognizing the other party so that one, you look objective and two, they feel validated when you're talking as well. So you can say, you know, I understand that it's, um, and I'll use, I'll use a headshot photographer, let's say. So I understand that this is a deadline for several pageants and you're with, and you're so busy within pageant season. However, this is the date we agreed on for delivery. And I followed up X, Y, Z times. And again, I'm, I'm sure you have several clients, but this is what I was promised. And here's my, re- my resolution. So that way you're still like you're justifying their challenges on their side while still being firm with what you were promised. Um, So when you've done that, you either said, I'm going to talk about it in person. You run it through in a one on one dialogue with someone else. You write a letter. You let someone else read it. You write a Facebook post. You let someone see it before you publish it. And like so give it to several people that you trust that are within the circle and like even better if they're a little bit removed. So if they haven't been alongside this journey where this person has wronged you according to you several times and you know there's a ton of emotion there, give it to someone a little bit removed. That way they can be more um, honest with you about it. Um, so someone like like your parent or your BFF, like they might be too far into it and already be biased. So somebody a little bit removed is best. 
Yeah, like your boyfriend. He was just like, nah, I don't know. Nah, I think that's... <laughs> I'll go yeah, with this. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so what I like about that is every, we all want to feel empathy like for our situation. Like, especially because the photographer is already feeling some sort of guilt that mm-hmm. he or she is not holding up to their particular deadlines. So yeah. there's always that internal script. If you give them almost like a way out and you're saying, hey, listen, thought about this. You've got to be swamped right now. You know, here's here's our um, deadline. I, I need these in order to be able to compete. Like, how can we make this work? Or it's like, you know, we said we would do it by the 29th. I can do the 30th because that gives me one extra day. It's not ideal, but I mean, totally do it. But how can we make that work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find that when you get on people's level and clear the clear the air first and take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for, then it allows them to drop their, their, um, their walls too. Cause like, so when, whenever I'm, I'm confronting someone and you're being you know, diplomatic again, it's like take accountability for what you do because when you put down your walls, you give them permission to put down their walls. But mm-hmm. you know, it's who was it? Einstein or Isaac Newton. One of those guys but it was like every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So you put down your walls, they'll put down theirs. You raise up yours and you like flare out your chest, they'll do the same. So it's just, it, it's it's knowing that the psychology of people and also just trusting that there's a higher power and that everything else is working out for your benefit. Yes. And then as Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton. Okay. Yeah. I think that's his formal name, right? Can yes. I just be, I mean, do you want to be Sir Stephen Roddy? I don't know. Is that like a is that like a knighted thing? Like Sir Elton John was he knighted? Yeah, by I, th- Queen? I think it is something with knight, uh, with knightship or um, somewhere like a, a royal position. Yeah, I'd be curious. So you know, somebody like email me Stephen at the Pageant Planet. I'd, I'd really like to know because and also what is it? Um, a Virgin Airlines. He was Sirred too. The, the guy who started. Uh, Virgin Airlines. I see his face. Oh, wow. Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson. Mm, um, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that that would be kind of cool. I don't know if I would tout it on my shoulder, but I'd definitely be on my resume. I, I mean, just... I'm the queen of coaching. Don't I have some weight here? It is the pageant planet equivalent. It is the pageant planet equivalent. Sure, sure. I'm the only one in the company that doesn't have an actual title. It's just Stephen, right? Like everybody else is queen or king of something right well don't don't sell yourself short not just steven you're steven <laughs> all right okay i got it <laughs> all right so that was step six step seven so this is the uh, most important quickest and scariest all in one and this is you got to execute so you've made that final decision and you just got to get it done so if you decided you're gonna do it face to face you've either said i'm gonna go there this day this time i've coordinated a meeting whether it's like, okay, I run this letter by this person, I'm going to hit the send button. Like this is the time where you just, you just get it done. Yeah. I I like the quote, the more you, the longer you wait, the more you feel the weight. So Mm. W A I T all the time. Oh yeah. So it's like W A I T versus W E I G H T. The longer you wait, the more you feel the weight. And it's, yeah, it's just like get her done, whatever mm-hmm. that that thing is. But yeah. it's always uncomfortable and super scary. And like I, I had to have a conversation, I think it was like last month um, with the tech team, and I had to call the owner of the tech team and be like, "Listen, this is not working." It was a very like I don't like confrontation either, 
it's just, I do it because it's a necessity for me to have peace in my own life. And if Mm -hmm. I'm walking around carrying all these like judgments and against other people, it's just not, it's not, it stifles my creativity. It stifles my joy. I don't like it. So I would rather endure a few moments of discomfort rather Mm -hmm. than a lifetime of, of pain. So I just choose to just get her done. Right. Yes. And that's for what, sure. And that's like the beauty of this industry. It's teaching you how to be leaders and being a leader mm. is being uncomfortable. It really is like you've got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable or sure. just have enough confidence or courage to say, this is not going to kill me. I'm going to do this and then we're going to get through it. Cool. I love all of that. It's, it's so very true because you're balancing so many different relationships in the pageant industry, some of which are serving you, some of which you're serving them. Um, so you have to find the balance to be able to see everyone with what they are, work through challenges, but still be seen as a positive person in your community or a positive fixture of your community because that's your job. That's great. So great. Okay. Step number eight. What's the last step in this process? Yeah, the last step. So you have to accept the consequences and move on. And like, this might not be pretty. You might've had that sit down conversation and it might not have ended in any resolve. You might've both walked out up and out and you knew that was the end of that relationship. But at least at this point, you've thought about it in detail. So you've gone through steps one through seven where you've thought about all parties involved. You've decided that this is the battle you want to take on. So you have to really just like, be at peace with your decision. And like once it's it's over, it should be over. Allow yourself to like let it go. So even if it didn't end the way you wanted it to end, at some point you have to drop it because like I I don't know what the official phrase is, but it's something along the lines of like dwelling on dwelling on oh holding a grudge. What you I'm not even close. Let me keep thinking about it when I talk. But like so dwelling over a situation, a grudge or a negativity, like still gives that person that situation power over you. And like to Steven's point, you will always feel that weight. So like when you have a disagreement with an old friend and you're no longer friends, you have to just get over it. You can't every time you see them post on Instagram, have like that, oh my gosh, feeling because it doesn't serve anyone. And it really puts you back in life. Yeah. And, and everything that you know, everything in life that has life is flexible. So it, it goes with the flow. So if you look at nature, right, when a tree is alive, it can blow with the wind. When a tree is dead, if a wind comes, the branches fall off because they're not, mm. they're inflexible. They break. Look at a rock. A rock is zero flexibility. It's not no live. As soon as like an animal dies, right, rigor mortis sets, sets in and the body can no longer move. So by accepting things that come your way, like you, you're able to flow with it, the, the Chinese revere the uh, water as the most powerful element because it is completely fluid and it fits in every shape and container yet the steady drip of a water can bust open a rock so it's this thing of like you have to hold on to grudges or hold on to unforgiveness or like the other person is somehow like going to be let off the hook if you Mm -hmm. don't hold on to this it really only affects yourself and you can see it on people's faces like if they just hold years of bitterness they start to look older 
right? Um, mm-hmm. And then in the body, like stress has caused it is tied to stress slash unforgiveness is tied to all sorts of kind of diseases and ailments. I mean, they've actually done studies. I don't know these studies verbatim, but you can Google them. Um, so by just letting it go and just saying, okay, here's the outcome. I did the best that I could, or, oh, you know what? I could have could have went about this a little bit different. Just use it as a learning curve and continue on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I did, um, I did a quick search. I found like two quotes here that I, I want to say. So holding a grudge is like letting someone live rent free in your head, which I like as well. Mm, that's good. And then this is even better. Like this is like the best quote about this I can think of. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So good. So, oh, so good. And like in this industry, so say word got around about this happenstance or you put this 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 post out about a certain vendor and someone says, hey, I, I heard you had a disagreement with that person. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, and yes, listen to what happened. Say, yep, we did. I, I went ahead and left a review that stood, that gave my feelings. I, I wish them all the best, but it, it wasn't for me. How much better a person do you think you look if you don't unload all the details of this frustration and think about that good karma you'd have coming your way? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And even like in the instance that I talked about like 10, 15 minutes ago when they told me, when this gentleman told me the person that shared the bad stuff, I'm like, huh, I don't know why she would say that. Like, I really think a lot of her. Right. So that yeah. right there, it, and, and I do, I do think a lot of the person that he quoted attributed to saying like bad things about me and even still, but like with that, it gives a completely different context versus Oh yeah. Well, one time three years ago, this person did X, Y, Z to me. Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. okay. You, you just seem like like less than. So, um, this was this was really great. I'm going to recap everything for for you listening. Which all of this doesn't happen. It's not always in clear segments. So I want you to be flexible with yourself as you're journeying mm-hmm. through this and learning how to do this. And, and the older you get, it's just like any skill set, working out, reading, writing, walking, jogging, riding a bike. It, it's an evolution of, uh, of how you um, evolve, right? So mm-hmm. as you get better at doing this, you'll be able to do these things, sometimes all of them within like a few minutes, right? Because you just go through the whole process in your mind. You get this feeling in your body of like, okay, this is how I should respond, Right. And then you respond to such. And Mm -hmm. then so and the quicker you get at doing that, the less these problems fade away and less like these personal dramas come to you. Like less drama comes to me now versus when I first started, because now it's like I don't give it any kind of energy. Therefore, like I don't attract it into my life. Does it still happen? Absolutely. But when it happens, I just remove it and continue on. And therefore, it's like I'm not putting any weight on it. So therefore, it, it doesn't come back to me. So here's the eight steps in review. Step one, take a breath. Step two, evaluate the severity of the situation. Step three, think about all parties involved. Step four, pick your battles. Step five, choose next steps. Step six, run it by someone. Um, step seven, execute. Step eight, accept the consequences and move on. And with that being said, we wish you the very best of luck. And we'll talk to you next week. Same time, same spot.